T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, let's do a little baseball on the field here since I'm trying to squeeze that in. I should be down in Jupiter bringing you the latest from the first day of pitchers and catchers. So we would have seen some bullpens today, for example, some PFP, some catchers drills, um, probably wouldn't have had much access to talk to anybody just because COVID rules and stuff, but still missing out on being down there because of the lockout. But that doesn't mean we're not going to continue to get you prepped for the 2022 season because it is going to happen. <laughs> the season is going to happen. Damn it. Just don't know exactly when that's going to be. Um, I, I do want to talk a bit about the outfield and the DH position today as we kind of do. These are, these are just kind of like surface level. I'm calling them primers, right? Just to get the conversation started, kind of set the table for the deeper dives that we'll do between now and the start of the season. But I wanted to get into the outfield, which, again, one thing that's really nice about this, starting outfield is set. There's no debate. There's no competition. It's just a matter of the guys that currently own those positions going out and performing, right? We know the outfield is going to be Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson from left to right, and there really is no other thing that it should be. That was the best thing to come out of last season as far as building toward this year is that a part of the team that was a question mark, something that was an unknown, became a known. You know, the, the one thing that, that we still want to see is, you know, a little bit more of a healthy season for a couple of those guys. You know, I mean, Harrison Bader missed some time again. Uh, obviously, Tyler O'Neill missed some time again. But their performance was good enough to where you say, you know what? There's no doubt about them anymore. You know, Tyler O'Neill played 141 games. And we know the numbers, man. I mean, 900 OPS, 34 bombs, 80 ribs, 15 stolen bases, you know, hit 286, got on base at a 352 clip. I mean, it was a, it was a legitimate breakout year. 
We don't know yet that he can string together multiple years at that production level. But at this point, we're coming off a year where he did it, so he gets the benefit of the doubt coming into 2022. That's a middle-of-the-order bat for you coming into the year. And I don't know how Ali Marmol is going to structure the lineup. I don't know if it'll look a lot like last year where you had like where go Goldie in the two spot and then Arenado and O'Neal, or are you going to mix it up and you know do, put Goldie in the um, or Arenado in the cleanup spot with O'Neal in the third spot like last year at the end? There are a lot of ways they could go. Doesn't matter. But O'Neal's one of those guys that's going to hit three, four, five. No question about it. Harrison Bader wasn't as healthy. I mean, he, look, he missed 61 games. I'm sorry, 58 games last year. Played 103 games. But what we got was an, a, a significantly improved Harrison Bader. I mean, we got league average. We got above league average offensive production. We got a good. We got a reasonable batting average. Not great. I mean, 267 is not going to set the world on fire. But it it is when you consider the power that he hit with, which was pretty fantastic. I mean, for missing almost 60 games to have 21 doubles, 16 home runs. That's that's pretty good power. I mean, he slugged 460, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that was fourth best on the team. It was behind just O'Neill, Arenado, and Goldie, if if I'm remembering it correctly. And you got some really good kind of side numbers from Bader, too. And I shouldn't say side numbers. That's not the right way to look at underlying numbers, like better strikeout rate, things like that. So, and, and of course, won a gold glove. So you're, you're getting the full package there. And and I think we've seen enough of him now too to think that like last year's not not a big fluke. Now if you look at some of the metrics, or you look at like some of the expected numbers from last year, you know, like his expected slugging was actually a good bit lower than his actual slug. That's a little bit of a concern going into this year. But based on what he did last year, there's no doubt about him, especially look, all he needs to be is a league average hitter, and he's a positive plus everyday player. And I think he's going to be at least that. He's really been that now for a few years in a row when he's been healthy. So league average is good enough when you're an elite defender. And I think that's kind of the the low end for him. Yeah, he's streaky. You know, you'll have streaks where he's unbelievable. You'll have streaks where he struggles. But that's, that. I mean, you put up with streakiness to get that kind of defense. And when you've got a player that's putting up numbers. And Dylan Carlson, we, we all know easy. He's the right fielder. He played 151 games in his first major league season. He's showing that, you know, he's got the 20 to 25 home run power. He hit 18 last year to go with 31 doubles. But as he grows and gets stronger, he there's, it's, there's no reason to think that he can't be a 25 homer guy. So your outfield is set. And you got versatility there, too. You know, you, both Carlson and O'Neill have this, the ability to play center if they're needed. And you've got depth there, too, which is nice. I mean, I think we saw that that Lars Newtbar is a quality player. I don't think we know exactly what he is, but I know this. He can run a little bit. He can play all over the outfield, and he's got some pop. And he had a big year in the minor leagues last year. He finished strong in the Arizona Fall League. He did a really nice job for the Cardinals down the stretch. I don't think there's a whole lot of concern or doubt about him as your fourth outfielder. Now, after that, it could get a little bit more interesting as to like who's your fifth outfielder. It's probably Tommy Edmond. You know, I mean, if you get down to that point, he would probably be the guy that slides into the outfield 
with you know guys like Sosa or maybe even Nolan Gorman getting a chance to move into the infield in his absence. If you're looking at the outfield picture beyond those guys, you'll be looking at guys at, tri- at the AAA level that that aren't quite there yet. Um, you know, Alec Burleson is a guy that's really interesting. First pro- professional season last year, put up really good numbers, reached AAA in his first professional season. So uh, that's a really positive sign. He's got a chance to be a really good hitter. But the AAA ranks at this stage aren't exactly loaded in the outfield. So if you have to get beyond your top four right now, you're probably looking at Tommy Edmond in the outfield, which is fine in the sense that you've got options elsewhere. Now, I'm going to include the DH in this conversation because I think the DH for the Cardinals will be a combination of guys, at least initially, unless somebody just runs with it. So if some like if if Lars Newtbar runs with it, he's probably going to get that opportunity. Although it's a little harder to do when you don't have that much depth in terms of guys that are traditional outfielders. Now Juan Yepes can play some outfield, but it's not really considered his strength. He's a first baseman, and he's obviously in the pick, pick for, picture for the DH too. And you know when you're looking at those two guys, Newtbar and Yepes, and then you throw in Nolan Gorman as a possibility. Again, I don't think there's going to be a regular DH. I I don't think that one of those guys is going to take that job, but I think they're they're going to use all of those players, and as the season goes along, if somebody grabs it and runs with it, well, then they get to keep it. Or at least they get to stay in the lineup because you can always use the DH spot to get, you know, Goldie a day off his feet in the field or Arenado or really literally anybody else. You can do the same thing for anybody else. And because, you know... Gorman plays multiple positions and Newt Bar plays all over the outfield and Yepes can play a couple of different places. You've got some flexibility with how you're going to do that. And obviously because Tommy Edmond can move anywhere, that gives you flexibility no matter what the alignment has to be. So the good news is you've got three starting outfielders. It looks like you've got a little bit of depth behind that, but I'm a, I would say it's it's a fair thing to be worried about if you were to have like multiple injuries there. If you had multiple injuries you're not really in the strongest place when it comes to outfield depth unless unless somebody really shows well in spring training. You know, you got Scott Hurst, who we've seen, but he's not. I think he's more of a kind of a swing player between AAA and the majors. I don't think that he's a he's a major league, like a full-time major league guy, certainly not an everyday kind of player. And their best prospects in the outfield are a little bit further away. But the group you have is good should complement the DH spot as well and give you the and what and what the Cardinals really have built which is great is that flexibility. I mean you have three starting outfielders that you can play in center field. So typically having center field depth is the hardest part. But not only do you have three starting outfielders that can all play center if needed, Tommy Edmond can as well and obviously Newt Bar can too. So having five guys and they're not all going to be good there, you know, <laughs> some of them are going to just be adequate there. But having that gives you the room to work around some injuries here and there, you know, give guys time off and things like that. So you may not have the sheer numbers that you'd love, but you've got versatility in the group and you've got some infielders that can that can slide out there. I mean, even Sosa's had some time in a corner outfield here and there. Maybe Brendan Donovan can do that too. He plays all over the infield. He's certainly a guy that looks like he's got a chance to make this team. And who knows, maybe even... Maybe even Brendan Donovan and Paul DeYoung figure into the DH mix too. 
Certainly with DeYoung, though, that would depend on whether or not he's hitting. And we'll talk more about that later in the week when I take a deeper look at the infield. Coming up next, we're going to take a broader look at the contenders in the National League. I think in the division, in the Central Division, it's pretty clear that the Cardinals and the Brewers are the ones that are playing to contend this year. A little less sure about the Reds. A little less sure about the Cubs. Both of them seem to be going a little bit backward, but... You know, again, the Cubs are a big market team that could change that. But for now, it looks like the Brewers and the Cardinals in the Central are the two teams that are really at the top of the food chain. Who else in the National League looks like a playoff team? And how hard is it going to be to make a wild card spot? I don't know. That's kind of a tough question to answer right now, isn't it? Because we don't know yet if it's going to be a 12-team playoff or if it's going to be a 14-team playoff. We do know this. It's going to be more than 10. So it's going to be a little easier to get in this year once we get things going. We'll get to that next up on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So trying to stick with some fun with the baseball stuff because it's a lot more fun talking about what we're going to see on the field when things do get going than it is to talk about lockouts and nonsense like that. Let's take a look at what we have to keep in mind in terms of contenders in the National League this year. And I mean playoff contenders um, because, we, you know, look, it's going to be a bigger field this year. Th- this much we know. You know, the the regular season in most years, obviously 2020 was different, but the regular season has been 10 playoff teams total five in each league, you know, the, I'm sorry, it's been, uh, um, yeah. So when, when you're, you know, the two wildcard teams in the division, the division champions, and obviously the wildcard teams play and then they move on. It's going to be a little bit more this year. Now it could be 12. I mean, it's been 10 total, so it could be 12 teams, six in each league. 
And it could be seven in each league and look just like the NFL format where the number one team gets a bye and then the other six teams each play and then you'll have four left going into what would be the division series. So that would be considered the wild card round. So, and and I do think, by the way, I think that they're going to end up with the 14-team version, which I'm good with, by the way. You know, people are like, it's, it's too easy to get in. It's still harder than every other sport. And in reality, what you want is more engagement deeper into the season. Like, that's what the sport's looking for. So if you looked at it last year as an example, and you looked at, um, you know, the, the wild card races as they were, in the National League, you had obviously the Dodgers with 106 wins get a wild card in the Cardinals. Now, the next two teams weren't weren't particularly strong. It would have been the Reds and the Phillies that got in. So if you went seven in each league, you would have had an 83-win team and an 82-win team get in the playoffs last year as wild card teams. Now, people are like, ah, that's mediocre. They shouldn't get in. Well, you know, 2006 Cardinals won 83 games, and they won the World Series. We've already accepted that teams in the low 80s could get in because maybe a division is, is weak in a particular year. But look at the the American League last year. You know, the, t- the top two teams that missed out both won 90 games. The Blue Jays and the Mariners both won 90 games. And in the new format with 14 teams, they'd both be in. That's a reward for those teams. I think it's a, it's a to me, it's a greater injustice when 90-win teams miss the playoffs than when an 82- or 83-win team makes the playoffs. It's kind of like the whole innocent man, guilty man thing, right? Better that, you know, 100 guilty men go free than one innocent man finds his way, finds himself imprisoned, right? That whole, I know I misquoted that a little bit, but you get the idea. It's the idea that, you know, you'd much rather make the mistake by not, crushing on the, in the case, in the justicism, the innocent man, but in the sports world, not putting good teams out to pasture because they just missed out or because the rules don't allow it. I think we're, we should be okay with that number of teams getting in there. So given that, let's assume for the sake of this, uh, this conversation that we're going to have seven teams in the National League. Now you look at the National League East. I know we talked about the Central already, which is why I'm not starting there. But the Cardinals and the Brewers are the teams to beat there. They were last year. They will be this year. I don't see a major change from the Reds. Um, if any, you know, They were an 83-win team last year. If anything, they've taken steps backward. You know, they, they, have, they have made their roster less than it was since the end of last season. Who knows what they do when free agency opens and, and whatnot. But they are probably not going to jump out and spend a bunch of money. The Cubs could. You know, the Cubs won 71 games last year. Wouldn't shock me if they found their way into the 80s, into the low 80s, but it depends. What they've done so far probably isn't enough to get them there. But if they were to go, mm, opportunity here for Carlos Correa, let's spend the money, I, you know, maybe I could see them in that range. But right now it's Brewers and Cardinals. So there's two teams in the National League that are that are intending to contend. And I do think that a team's intent matters here. Obviously, the Braves are the defending World Series champ. They're the defending American League East champion with 88 wins. They're clearly in contend mode, but they got something they got to solve, man. I mean, Freddie Freeman's still a free agent. And if they let him walk, which would be a tragic mistake, Liberty Media Group is what owns the Atlanta Braves. 
They have a lot of money. They have made tons and tons of money on the Braves over the years. You know how we know that? Because they're a publicly traded company, and we actually get to see their numbers. And the Braves make a lot of money. If they let this, if they let Freddie Freeman get away coming off a World Series with the money that they've made over the years, that would be a tragedy to me. But if they and if they do that, they have to replace him. But I mean, the Reds are the, the Braves are a contender this year. The Mets are clearly planning on contending. As of right now, I believe. I believe that they have the highest payroll in baseball going into next year. Yeah, they do. Their current payroll is $235 million. Next closest is the Dodgers at 214 and the Yankees at 211 Now, the Dodgers and Yankees probably still have some work to do in free agency, so it may not stay that way. But the Mets, at the moment, have the highest payroll in baseball. They're clearly planning on contending for a playoff spot. I think the Phillies clearly have to be that way, right? The Phillies won 82 games last year. All they have to do is add three, four, five wins, and they're probably going to have a chance this year. So we count the Phillies in that mix. They got a lot of openings in their outfield. Boy, holy crap. Like right now, the only outfielder that has a job in Philadelphia is Bryce Harper. So they got some work to do. They also have an opening at third base, depending on how they want to handle that. Although Alec Bohm could be that guy, and maybe they add a DH. But they need some more help. But they're they're going to come in trying to contend. I know the Marlins have made some moves. They went out and signed Avisel Garcia away from Milwaukee. That makes them better. They're still talking about Nick Castellanos. That was the buzz before the lockout, and they may still have interest in him. So if they were to add Castellanos to that mix, I don't know that I'd call them a contender, but I would at least consider them a team that's trying. You know, I mean, adding Garcia and Castellanos would be a lot. That's a, Those are some pretty big additions in the middle of their lineup. And they have pitching. That's the one thing the Marlins have. They got some pretty good young pitching there. But I wouldn't call them in the, I wouldn't put them in the contender mode yet. They need to add Castellanos and maybe even a little bit more before I'd put them in there. So in the, and the Nationals aren't just aren't ready yet. They're still trying to build their way back. I mean, they, they have some good pieces and they, they're not, I don't think they're years away. I don't think they're there yet, though. I don't, I don't. I haven't. I haven't seen like when I when I look at their moves in the off season and think about you know what they have in total. I'm not. I don't see a team in Washington that looks like it's ready to make a big jump. Right? You look at them last year. They won 65 games. You know, as, as of right now, other than Juan Soto and Josh Bell, their lineup would be made up of a lot of guys you don't know about. I'll throw. I'll throw in Victor Robles, who's very good, but Victor Robles did not hit very well last year. But he's talented. But as of right now, again, this is still pending what could happen when the lockout ends. But Lane Thomas would be their left fielder. Cesar Hernandez would be the second baseman. Um, A 34-year-old Cuban free agent, Yadiel Hernandez, would be the DH. Kyber Ruiz is the catcher. Alcides Escobar is the shortstop. You know, their, their team is not good this year. They have some good players. I mean, Soto's as good as it gets. You know, if you got a healthy Strasburg, but Strasburg only pitched 21 innings last year. Patrick Corbin had a 5.82 ERA. Like they're just not there. They're still building. So three teams in the East. We know the two teams in the Central, and out west, the Giants and Dodgers and Padres are clearly trying to contend. I don't think the Rockies are, but maybe, maybe 
Like when you think about it, if they're the thing, I, so I just listed eight teams in the National League that look like they have in mind that they're going to contend. Well, there's seven spots if they get 14 total playoff teams. Does that maybe incentivize the Marlins to try a little harder to get in there? Does that maybe give the Rockies a little kick in the ass? You know, they were at 74 wins last year. If they can get to 84, now they got a lot of work to do to get to 84, but I'll be curious to see how it is. But to me, Braves, Phillies, Mets are the ones you can take seriously in the East. Giants, Dodgers, Padres you can take seriously in the West. Brewers and Cardinals in the Central. And if I'm going to look at some of the wild cards, yeah, the Reds are in that wild card mix. Like, and I mean, I don't mean, I sh- maybe I should have chose a better term than wild card. <laughs> maybe the sleepers is the better way to put it. Maybe the Reds are a sleeper. Maybe the Marlins are, although the Marlins got a long way to go coming from 67 wins. Maybe the Cubs are a team if they, if they spend a little bit more money. As they're currently constructed, the Cubs are not a good team. Not a good, not a good enough lineup. I mean, even even if like Patrick Wisdom and uh, Frank Schwindel, even if they hit like they did last year, still not a good enough lineup. I mean, you still have Ian Happ hitting cleanup, and he's not a cleanup hitter. But again, they, they, they're not. They, if they if they want to flex some of their big market muscle, it wouldn't be that hard for them to boost that lineup a good bit. All right, so that's the picture in the National League. I want to change gears a little bit. Um. I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl ratings next up. You know, we've had a lot of interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. We've had a lot of interesting conversations about the NFL and people that are quitting the league because of politics and all that stuff. But the ratings are moving back up again after having gone up and down a little bit. And the ratings, by the way, always seem to go down in presidential election years, which is interesting. But the Super Bowl ratings are back up this year. What do we take from that? How much were they up compared to last year? How did they look in the big markets compared to some other markets? We kind of take a look at what we learned from the Super Bowl ratings next up on KMLX. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, let's get into the Super Bowl ratings. We've got them for for this year. They took a day to get it all sorted out. So last year, the 2020 Super Bowl... Well, it was the it was held in 2021, but it was the Super Bowl for the 2020 season. Super Bowl 55 drew 91 million people, which was low and one of the lower Super Bowls in recent memories. And it was weird that it was low because it was Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, right? It was it was the Kansas City Chiefs, it was the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You had the big stories, big names, the whole deal. And this year, 2021 season. 2022 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, that went up to 101 million viewers in real time. Now, that's just on the broadcast side. 
So when you add the streaming, it was actually 112 million people that watched. But since we're, if you want to compare apples to apples, 101 million people watched broadcast television this year for the Super Bowl. Now, that's not near the highest. Um, you know, in 2015, Seahawks Patriots was the most watched Super Bowl, and it was 114 million viewers. So if you count the streaming, and by the way, streaming in 2015 was nowhere near the numbers that you have now, right? I mean, it would be an insignificant blip in 2015. So close to the same number of people watched this year's Super Bowl compared to the most watched Super Bowl from 2015. Now, these things, you know, the the fact that they vary from year to year is not surprising. I mean, people's habits vary from year to year. But I think this kind doesn't this finally kind of put an end to the goofiness that we have, like what, you know, all the people that are walking away from football forever, not going to watch anymore, too much this, too much that. The reality is it is by far the most watched event on television every year. And it's getting back to the numbers that it had in years past. Not Again, not on broadcast TV, but that's not really the league's fault or any sport's fault, really. If broadcast ratings are down... It's largely because more people are streaming. So when we add in the streaming numbers, you're getting back to the totals that we were talking about in previous generations or previous years. Like you go back to the peaks, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago before people got mad about politics being in football and all of that. And I think it's important to understand that, you know, these things do kind of ebb and flow back and forth, but the, the, look, football is the king of all television programming. So you had you know over a hundred million people in uh, the U.S. watch. You had another what was it like forty, fifty million people internationally watching this. So you, you know you're you're talking about crazy numbers that every every television network, every television league would love to have. So that's the big thing. But here's something else that was interesting to me. And I and I retweeted this earlier. There was a tweet from Bill Shea of The Athletic who covers sports media and stuff. And he listed the top 10 markets in terms of the percentage of people in that market that tuned into the Super Bowl, right? So, you know, look, there there were more people in the bigger cities watching, but were, was it a bigger percentage, right? This was just a place where the Super Bowl was more popular than it was in other places. Well, duh, Cincinnati was number one. <laughs> you had almost almost 50% of people in Cincinnati watching the Super Bowl. No big surprise. Cincinnati was number one. Detroit was number two. Which is, is that really the Matthew Stafford bump? Really weird. Pittsburgh, three. Columbus, Ohio was four. Kansas City, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and then Boston, Philadelphia, and Jacksonville. That was your; those are your top ten markets in terms of the percentage of people in those markets that were tuning into the game. So, no New York in the top ten, no LA. LA had a team in the Super Bowl, and they weren't in the top ten there, and they weren't close, by the way. But you know what was really fascinating to me? 
this is not going to be picking on L.A. This is, to me, a really interesting topic. So of the top 12 markets in the country, so of the 12 biggest media markets, so it's not just the city, but it's the region. Or the, what are they, it's not called the region, it's called the metropolitan area. Of the 12 biggest metropolitan areas in the country, only two of them showed up in the top 10 for the Super Bowl. And that was Boston and Philadelphia. No New York, no LA, no Chicago, no Dallas, no Houston, no Washington, D.C., no Atlanta. What the hell's going on? I mean, it, I know that there could be a lot of different theories about why that is, but it's interesting to me because if, for example, if viewership was determined in any way by your political viewpoints, well, those aren't markets that are of the political viewpoint that would be angry at what was going on in the NFL. So I'm not sure that it's that. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it's not that. And I've always been sure that it's not that. It could simply be that in the bigger cities, just people have more things to do. And they're less likely to just want to sit around and watch a game. Or big city just has a a wider variety of people that and maybe a large percentage of them just don't care for sports at all. But again, like Dallas, I mean, Texas is a football state. So I'm, I was I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. I just thought it was interesting that only two of the 12 largest markets in the country actually had a top 10 ranking when it comes to the, the, the local market, the percentage of people watching in a local marketplace. And that Jacksonville's in the top 10. And again, a lot of Rust Belt there, right? A lot of Cincinnati, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland. I don't know, maybe it has, I, I, I mean, there, I'm sure somebody that studies these things as a profession would know it better than me. But the biggest of the big markets don't have the same percentage of people that, were, that, are, that are locked in on the Super Bowl. And they're not all the same, right? Like, you know, in L.A. and Miami, places like that, all right, you know, you can go to the beach, you get the nice weather. But that's not true in New York or Chicago right now. You know, the big Texas cities, Houston and Dallas, not in there. Atlanta, not in. Atlanta's a big football. I mean, Georgia's a huge football state. Anyway, I thought that was interesting, and I don't know what to make of it. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem to fit any one pattern. Because they're, you know, those those cities that we're talking about can be both red or blue when it comes to their voting habits. Again, it might just be that in big in the bigger metropolitan area, in the in the biggest metropolitan areas, you have a wider array of people who have different interests. I mean, it could be just as simple as that. I thought that was fascinating, but not shocking that Cincinnati was the was the number one market for the Super Bowl. No shock there at all. All right, let's wrap it up. I got a separate thought, and I see this stuff come up on Twitter, and this is this is kind of more of a fun thing than a serious thing. But I saw a tweet from a guy that, I, that I've that i done some shows with in the past who is a former NFL player, good, good dude, smart guy. 
and he retweeted something that made me giggle. And it was a regular old average Joe asking how many 20-point games he could have if he played every game in the NBA. (laughs) Why do we do these things? I'm going to talk a bit about it next up on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, to close out, we'll have a little fun. I saw this tweet from uh, Jeff Schwartz. He's a former offensive lineman in the National Football League, and he was really just commenting on a tweet from somebody else, some dude uh, named Sam DeSorbo. Apparently he is – I I clicked on his thing. He is a uh, Michigan Football Analytics Society member. He does um, some, I guess, analyst work for Michigan hockey. So he's a young dude. Looks like he's in his 20s. And, of course, young dude – College bro is the one that would ask this kind of dumb question. But he threw this out there. He said, here's the debate. If I were to play the entirety of each game for a team in the NBA, would I score 20 points in at least one game? And then he said, assuming my team is feeding me and I don't have to play defense. Like, first of all, why would you assume that? If you're going to play in the NBA, you got to play in the NBA, dude. And then he says, this seems like an easy success to me. Now, I don't know this guy. He could have just be he could just be a giant smartass. So I'm not really picking on him at all. But the concept, because this does circulate around Twitter every once in a while. You'll see somebody post, which one do you think you'd have a better chance at? Scoring a touchdown in the NFL, making a shot in the NBA, scoring a goal in hockey, or hitting a home run in Major League Baseball? And my response is, you're not doing any of them. If you're an average dude, I'm talking about Regular old guy, maybe played some high school sports um, or maybe played college in one sport but not in the others. Like, you're not – you have no concept of what's happening there. Like, it – there's not an average dude. If if you didn't play at least at the college level in baseball – you would have absolutely zero chance of even putting a ball in play against a major league pitcher if they didn't want you to hit it. You have no idea how fast that's happening if you haven't done it. Now, could the random college kid jump into a major league game and maybe luck into a home run? Hell yes. Hell yes. They're working at velocity too, man. Those guys are all hitting off pitching machines in the mid-90s. They have pitchers in their leagues or on their teams that are throwing in the mid-90s. Now, not at all levels and not all the time, but it's there. That's not what we're talking about, though. Like, average dude means somebody that did not play that sport at a high level. And I'm talking about anything really beyond high school. So if you stopped in high school, you you couldn't do these things. Now, I had somebody like, well, I could do a quarterback sneak. Sure, sure, sure. If you're standing behind the offensive lineman and they blow the defensive lineman off the ball, sure, you could fall down into the end zone. And then you would end up dead because somebody would hit you. But if it was like a legit touchdown, like you had to either run it in or catch the pass, or zero chance. Listen, man, if you step out on a basketball court against NBA caliber players and they don't want you to get a shot off, you will not get a shot off. 
And hockey is even more hilarious. Like, dude's like, I could score a goal. Like, yeah, sure you could. If you're the dummy that just stands in front of the net and the puck hits you in the foot and goes in. But even then, if you're doing that, the defenseman's just going to knock you off your skates. So you'll probably eat the puck rather than deflect it into the net. I just don't know why we have to, like, people, why do, why do people think those are even fun conversations? It's the silliest thing. It's like, it's like the conversation about, well, what would happen if you put Alabama in the NFL? They'd get killed because the five or six best guys there will be the ones that play in the NFL, and the rest of them will never play at that level. And the NFL team is full of, of NFL players. It's an all-star team. I use the example like from my college baseball days. When I was in college our t- I, at Miami, we our team was really good, man. I wasn't good at all. I was the last guy on the team. I was the worst. But a lot of good players, man. Guys that were awesome college players. That was a a top we were top 5 10 team in the country every year. And like 2% of our players made it to the big leagues. <laughs> there were t- you know, I mean like I was there for for in college for 4 years. And we had like three or four guys that entire time have any meaningful major league time at all. And that's from an elite program. Down in South Florida, recruiting first-round draft picks. Man, even at that level, the difference is massive. I just figured we'd close with that little bit of fun, so just don't talk about those things. And if you are going to talk about those things, make fun of the people that are asking about them. Just tell them, forget it, man. You'll just be dead. Don't worry about it. All right, you guys have yourselves a great night. We'll get back to you tomorrow night here on KMLX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 